This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch, the new podcast with me, Jay Reno, in which I take a fascinating person out to a restaurant I think they're going to enjoy. We talk, we eat, we eat, we talk. And it's always a lot of fun. Today, I am dining with the brilliant actor of both film and television, Mr Fifty Shades of Grey himself, Jamie Dornan. It's, it's a little sack that you put all your bits in. It literally said inmate number three on it. So when we set this up, I already knew a bit about Jamie Dornan's eating habits because we've eaten together before. He bought me at a charity auction for the Old Vic Theatre, paid real money for me, and I went out for dinner on one of my reviews with him and his lovely other half. He loves beef, and I decided the only place to bring him to was a brilliant Mayfair institution called the Guinea Grill. It's basically a, a pub, but it's been famed for the things they do with beef for many, many years. And... It is a perfect fit for Jamie Dornan. He's going to love it. So uh, let's get inside and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, Hello, mate. how are you doing? Very good. Good, good to, to see you. Yeah, you are. Thank you for joining me in the boardroom. Delighted. This is lovely. Marvellous. Did you stay up in town last night? No, I didn't. Actually, I came from Gloucestershire this morning. We had our third baby since I last saw you. I know. How long so ago was that? I can't be away from home too, too much. <laughs> Um, well, we I, can I say, I, I'm, I'm impressed by the personal sacrifice you've made <laughs> to come here. Well, you start going through the diary when you have the baby and you're like, when can I start sort of actively doing things again? You know, and I was going to start a job and I, I'd said to my agent, like, I'm not working until baby came, you know, middle of February. I said, like, I can't work until April. Right. And I felt that's fair. And my wife and I had talked about that. It yeah. seemed like a good enough sort of... Because after the first one, weren't you away in two days? Yeah, three days. I started working three days after the first one was born and about two weeks after the second one was born. So I thought, right, this is probably the last one we're going to have. Let's get this right. So I said, I'm not going to work till April. And then, of course, my agent's like, um, it'll start on the 1st of April. And I was like, wow, OK. <laughs> Literal, like, I won't work till April. And I actually said no in the end. And actually, thank God, because I don't feel like I'm ready to... You know, nipping, up, you nipping up to London to do this with you is fine. But, like, you know... To go and commit to do a job, it's going to be in New York for like six weeks, and she's still so tiny, you know. Does she have a name? Are you keeping that under wraps for now? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Well, you've always been quite cool at uh, keeping your children's yeah, names funny. quiet. Well, we just sort of don't. There's a few ways to go about that, you know. You can either announce it to the world. I've got some of my best friends do that, who, who are you know well known or whatever. They they make the announcement. I mean, they literally put it in the fucking Times or whatever and put it out there. And we sort of haven't, with all three, haven't announced anything. We've just sort of let 
people find out for themselves. And I don't mind that information sort of dripping out, you know, mm. as and when it feels right to, you know. Does anyone care? <laughs> All the things I care about. Do you know what I mean? It's such a personal thing to have happen and, you know, it all just feels so new and we're just, like, having this time to fall in love with my baby. Well, let's talk about, you know, the really serious things. We're in this (laughs) boardroom. It actually says boardroom on the the door, uh, surrounded by pictures of grandees. Is Oscar Wilde out there? There he is, yeah. Oh, he is? You're absolutely right. Mm. Um, Jane Austen. Duke you know, of I'm, I'm quite impressed you're actually recognising them. To me, they, look, <laughs> they look like old dudes in wigs. But um, yeah. Now, obviously, my job is to choose where I bring people to eat. Yes. And when I knew that you were, you were up for this, I did go back. And the first email exchange we had, yeah, yeah. so I suppose I ought to explain, you bought me. Uh-huh. I did. You bought me at an auction for the old Vic. Right, for a night, yeah. Well, I had a lovely time, I hope. Yeah, we well, do. you're here, Absolutely. you haven't gone to Christ, I'm not hanging exactly. out with him ever again. And you did say, I'm going to throw this in, hi, Jay. Very excited by this, I'm very, thank you. you That's go. good for me. My <laughs> wife and I love food, full stop. Yeah. All food, full stop. <laughs> Eat everything, full stop. Drink anything, full stop. I probably got a problem regarding beef. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I would eat it for every meal if I could. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll stick to that. It's true, I do, I, and actually... So much so that we're trying to have like, you know, <laughs> like beef-free days. Yeah, you know, this like, isn't going to be one of them. No, and I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> and uh, so, what we could do, yes. if you wanted to, is we yeah. could go downstairs uh-huh. and examine the choice. Well, I had a quick stop on the way past. And I did you? help myself walk past the, you know, the display. Or, or they can like, bring a board up. Or, or if you've already looked at the display, I've already looked, but I like the idea of a board. Okay, can we do a board? <laughs> All right, Thank brilliant. You. There's obviously a wine yeah. list. Yes. Uh, and I know that you have quite an interest in French reds. I, uh, yes, but I'm kind of one of those people who just enjoys any type of good wine, really. You slut. Good drink. <laughs> I'm a bit of a slut when it comes to that. <laughs> I mean, I kind of drink anything. Thanks a minute. So I found my way to the Pinot Noirs. Oh, perfect, yeah. Good. Uh, See, I don't mind that. A, a sort of lighter red with a big hunk of meat. There's um, a Bourgogne, a Burgundy, Pinot Noir. Delicious. The Henri de Villemont? Yeah. Perfect. Um, Coke with lemon. <laughs> uh, one of the cardinal sins. I've just no understanding of why. I don't, listen, I don't have a massive issue with a slice of lemon in your uh, Coke. Okay. I just wish they would ask you All because right. it, it, it monumentally changes the taste of your Coke. It really does, you know. <laughs> and th- it, in America, they don't yeah. do it. But I think anything else that is going to alter the flavour of what you're about to consume you'd be asked like I'm going to add something to this it's going to change the taste do you, do you want that before I go ahead and do it but I just think it's a given here so it's, is it, it in inadvertent there. unexpected outbreaks of lemon <laughs> it's just I just don't I, it's, it got to a point where I got so fed up of, of finding a bit of cutlery dishing out the, the lemon and putting it on a side plate because it changed the taste of my Coca-Cola that I've now started, and it annoys me having to do this, but I've now started having to say, could I have a Coca-Cola? Just could I have no lemon. Have to Would you like a that. Coke with no lemon? Would you like sparkling water? No, um, I'd, I'll, I'll just have tap water, please. <laughs> Your friends have arrived, Jamie. <laughs> oh, look at this. <laughs> so this is the, the board of beef. Vladimir, do you want to explain? Yeah, is that a tomahawk? So uh, this one we know mostly here, yeah. Dry yeah. Scottish and English grass-fed beef. Okay. Um, we actually uh, source the beef from, we have uh, bought uh, Five farms in North Yorkshire and okay. four in Scotland. 
So all his dry age, all grass fed, so the dry steaks, the more marbling, more boring steaks, the more mm -hmm. flavor. So mm -hmm. that's my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. Is that the Cote de Boeuf? The Cote de Boeuf, or if you think it's too big for you, Ribeye's perfect. Yeah. This is good to share. Not the sharing days. type, to be honest. What, you want your own Cote de Boeuf for the Queen? Well, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not saying I could take that on, but I will share Unless you would you. like your own sirloin steak on your... Is that what, is that what you think would be No, better? no, I think we should... Um, I was going to do the ribeye. <laughs> I was going to do the ribeye. Oh, well, should we do the ribeye? Yeah. Do a ribeye. Yeah. And I'll do a sirloin. Okay. So yeah. we'll get Fine. two of them. Does that make you happy? That, that yeah. makes me really happy. That puts you in a really happy place. Yeah, it does, okay. Yeah. I feel sorry for those wee lamb chops because they're just never. If they're presented alongside those other fellas, they're never going to get ordered. <laughs> do you know actually, what I mean? Actually, we are. Oh, really? People get one lamb chop on a side. Oh, as a side? No, so yeah, just, yeah, you know, I buy a nice lamb chop just to. Wow. There, you know. wow. Do you have a sudden in insight into what it must be like to be at an audition? All those <laughs> actors that are the lamb chops that are never, ever going to get the part. <laughs> and that was and my life for 10 years. Do you think so? Yeah. So one of these is, you know, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> one of them is Jamie Dornan. One of them's... Oh, God. Don't bring Eddie into this. Um, Do you want a lamb chop no, on I the side? I feel like I want the lamb chop on the side. Yeah, yeah. of course we will. Yeah, thank you. I was you. about to bring it anyway, okay. so... <laughs> okay, great. Oh, I love it. What do you want to go with it? Uh, mash, if you have it. Do you have mash, potatoes? Yeah. yeah. There we go. I'll have some of that. And some purple broccoli with chilli and anchovy. That sounds incredible. And I have to get the chips. Of course. Do you want a starter? Probably. Like, please say yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I want the potted duck yeah. and post, yeah. yeah okay. It's a good like choice. Roulettes kind of thing. Yeah. And I'll have the devil kidneys. Okay. And a lie down afterwards. And can I have a green salad to go alongside my sauces? Peppercorn, please. I don't know, one peppercorn, one burnout. Of course. Perfect. Are you happy? I'm happy. But clearly food and drink. Yes. It's, it's not just a passing matter with you, is it? No. No, it means a lot to me, food and drink. I have to say, I, I've, I've always, you know, enjoyed really good food, but I'm, I'm not precious about it and I'll eat rubbish as well, quite happily. And I'd get as much satisfaction from a pack of flame-grilled steak McCoys. Okay, like I really you go would. for the flame-grilled steak. Well, I, I do. Anything, be again, beef. Anything beefy. <laughs> I'm just like, be beef hula hoops. Jesus, don't get me started. Oh, beef hula I mean, they are, they are the hula hoop. They are. They? Oh, they're just unbelievable. So, I, you know, I, I, I would get as much satisfaction from, from both. I'm not particularly picky, although I have a great appreciation of great food. Is it the case that you really are blessed with a metabolism that means you can eat and drink whatever you like? You bastard. Um, <laughs> I do have a high metabolism, definitely, and I'm aware of that. And I'm. All right, let me ask you another I question. I play to that a little bit. I do, and I will. But listen, it's not like I do. I'm, I'm, I go through phases, particularly rec more recently since I became a dad, really, of being of exercising a lot, which I. Uh, so you do. You have a gym habit or a running yeah, habit. Or I something? do. I do. I do. I did. I used Thank to play a lot God. of sport growing up. I was very sporty. Um, always thought I'd work in sport. Um, didn't end up that way. And then in my 20s, I sort of lost that a bit. You know, I'd still be playing a bit of rugby when I was in my early 20s. I'd moved to London. But then I sort of, that fizzled out. And then, you know, I'd play a bit of football and go running a bit, but not really until then I had kids. And now then I've got into a real sort of routine of, of, of keeping fit because mainly for health reasons rather than purely, you know, aesthetic reasons. Um, you know, by the way, like being on the trampoline for like... An hour and a half session every other day. What it's, with the girls? It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I did go out the trampoline by myself about a few years ago. I found myself just wandering out the garden, and I looked around. My wife was watching me, and I was just, 
I just got on the trampoline. I was on there for 20 minutes without the kids. I loved it. It was great fun. And I, I do genuinely enjoy it. I don't run so much anymore. I've not a great left knee. And uh, I've been encouraged by a doctor back in Belfast that I saw to cycle a lot. I go to the gym about four times a week. I do the bike every time. And I have no issues with my knee anymore. It literally fixed it. So do you go to, like, a, a, do you go to a normal public gym? I do, yeah. I go to get a, left a gym alone? in Stroud, yeah, in Gloucestershire where I live, yeah. Yeah, I know it's very... Um, friendly gym where all the staff are very chatty and friendly and you just feel part of the family very quickly yeah if I had a gym at my house I wouldn't use it um, have you ever literally dropped to the floor and done press ups between shots oh yeah Jesus yeah 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 what's brilliant is you gave me a look there as I was coming of course everybody no, does I have, that I've done that for various reasons I've done that for reasons of I'm about to have my top off and it's going to be everything they film is committed to celluloid forever and why not try to look as good as I can in that moment? I've also done it when I'm sometimes, if I'm meant to be particularly spent and exhausted after a scene where I'm running in the fall or whatever, I'll do You it. need to run. So I'm just, oh, I'll do something, yeah, sometimes that. And sometimes I do it because I sometimes have just a lot of energy and I don't know what to do with it. And they're fucking hanging around going, oh, yeah, hold on, we're just going to fix this light. Sorry, Jimmy. I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm good to go here. I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit to. To, to get rid of some of this energy so I'll drop and just do press ups just for something to do and to tire myself a little so I do do that I, I actually have always I just enjoy press ups I think it's quite a cool thing that you're able how to how many can you do in a row? Do, oh, not that many 100 <laughs> not that many <laughs> I don't know what's a lot I don't know should we, should we have a press up <laughs> off just now Dan? I don't no, think on a podcast that works that way. Actually, oh I don't know you'd hear it you'd hear it it'd be good Thank you very much. Tell me what you think of that. It smells delicious. <laughs> and it is delicious. Wow, it really is. Yeah, great. I've got to get good about not... My um, one of my best friends, a very early name drop here is Rafe Spall, uh, the actor, and he um, he he's, can be a bit of a nightmare to be out with uh, for dinner, and we're out a lot for dinner, because he, when he tastes the wine... They're really just asking you, is it cork? They're not, they're not really asking you, do you like it? And I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's delicious. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love that. Does he do a full number? But he, ju he just will just twist and go, it's fine. You see, I do that. Yeah, see, I just don't... I, I, I would feel that I'm being rude or something if I do that, so I don't. I get all too, you know... I, I work on the base of what he assumes I am rude anyway, so... <laughs> That, you know, there's there's no way, no way um, back from this. Um, our starters oh. have arrived. Lovely. Thank you. So you've got the potted duck. Yeah, there's no pot, though. Took I think it's pot. come out of the pot. <laughs> Took the pot away. And I've got the deviled kidneys. I've never had deviled kidneys. Have you not? When I said in, your, in our early email exchange I eat anything, I do. Anything sort of deviled or... Um, what, too fiery? Kidneys, kidneys. Um, I, I, do I do struggle with that a little so bit. So you don't want me to push this across the table We're at probably you, not so. going to share that. All oh, right, fine, 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 fine. Do you cook at home? Big time, yeah, I love it. My wife is an astonishing cook. Like, really genuinely brilliant. Like, I I make a very good puttanesca. Um, we do a roast every Sunday. We're really sort of religious about that. And I'm very particular about my roast potatoes. I think this is the right environment <laughs> for you to share the details of that. Well, I've stolen a little bit of from different people about the best, you know, way to go about it. Which potatoes? Do you have a particular... Uh, uh, Mars Piper. Okay, fair choice. I'll go Mars Piper and I will parboil them longer than you probably should. 
like really bubbling water, probably for you know eight to ten minutes, where some people they're starting to, to crack apart. They're starting to crack apart. My thing with them is that I'll make enough that you're willing to sacrifice a few men for it. You know, there's a few that are going to just fall away and not make make the whole not journey. Make the but they'll become little crunchy, delicious little specks at the bottom, and they'll be amazing. So I, I boil them to the point that they're really can't take anymore. I mean, they're hanging on. You know, you do goose fat. Oh, that's what I was going to say. What's yeah, the fat? Yeah, I'll do goose fat. Sometimes I'll do a mix of goose fat and coconut oil. I know. Here we go. It's getting oh, a bit controversial. On, hang on a yeah, I mean, controversial doesn't really cover it. Coconut oil. Not a lot of it. What What does coconut oil bring to the party? Slight flavouring of coconut. Are, are you serious? <laughs> a, a tiny wee hint of it. Okay. But like, not enough. I'm very sure. I hate coconut. I would never eat coconut. I don't like coconut, the fucking coconut water that like models drink. Hate that stuff. But um, really coconut oil, I don't mind because I find it very subtle. But uh, if you're not necessarily the biggest fan of, I think finally we've got to the really important stuff here. If um, you're not necessarily the biggest fan of coconut, mm-hmm. what happened that first day you went, you know, I think I'm going to put some coconut oil? I, f- I find it in the cupboard. I was, actually, was, was your other half uh, getting into coconut? In- no, well, she quite likes it and will use it. And There's also a weird thing you can do with coconut oil for your teeth. Have you ever done it? You get coconut oil, right, a big spoonful of it, and you splash it around with your mouth closed for a good, like, 15, 20 minutes. That sounds like a good You can't way talk. Out. It's quite a good way to shut yourself up if, yep. you know, you're pissing someone off. And you spit it out after, and your teeth are, like, rid ridiculously clean like scared like white like like a fucking advert it's crazy and your mouth smells a bit of coconut it, it, I don't know what's going on I don't know if it's good for you bad for you I haven't looked that up so on the one hand I'm you know for the for the microphones I'm obviously pulling an appalling face and being <laughs> outraged yeah. on the other hand I'm thinking maybe as a well, man in my it, 50s I should go home and try this well listen I think the coconut oil thing happened once where we didn't have any goose fat uh, we'd run out of you know olive oil and it was the only thing. What a and I calamity. Thought, so I thought, it's a household a, in, well, in the Cotswolds running out of olive oil. The pantry, the pantry was empty. It, it, it's shocking. unthinkable. <laughs> but it was just like, well, it's oil. It's going to do the same kind of thing. So I don't, when I say a bit, like I use a, a very small bit of coconut yeah, Cheers, by the way. Cheers. And thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Let me take you back to, to Northern Ireland growing yes. up in Hollywood. Pretty sort of well-to-do background. Your dad, yeah, very much doctor, so. consultant, mm-hmm. Obson Gyney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the plan? What did you think you were going to do? Well, you I, said sport, was it? Yeah, it? it's funny. I I kind of... I, I always have this thing where I want to do something like what we're doing here with my dad, and I want to ask him. He's a very interesting person, my dad. He's got a fascinating mind that never stops. And I've sort of wanted to interview him for a long time, and I planned to do that this year, actually. Because I want to ask him what he thinks I was going to do. Because in my head, I don't know, I, I, arrogance is the trait I deplore most in people, but I, I guess uh, there's a sense of this in what I'm about to say for myself, in that I always felt that I was going to land on my feet. It was all going to be fine. For whatever reason, yeah. And maybe is that something to do with coming from a middle-class background where often there is a bit of a, a you know landing mat underneath. If, you know, if, if the shit hit the fan... Dad could probably bail me out, and maybe that's a nice comfort. Has he ever had to bail me out? No, thank God. I had a decent enough sense that I had something to offer, not sure what it was to offer, 
And the original thought was sport. Yeah, well, I played a lot of sport, played a lot of rugby, and, and I love um, spend my life defending golf, but I'm a big golfer. And, and, uh, you spend your life defending yes, golf? Because, because a lot of people, <laughs> you mention golf, and they're like, Jesus Christ, like, why would you like golf? You know, what's, what well, Oscar it? Wilde, who's up there, well, did call it, didn't he call it a good walk he, ruined? A good walk spoiled, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would say, you know, but I, looking at that wall, there's a lot of golfers up there, I would say, you know, but it's got this. Um, this tag of being sort of elitist. Where I come from, it's not so much. You know, it's quite accessible for lots of people. And uh, you can be of, of, from any sort of background and, and be able to, to give it a go. Didn't you tell me that, you know, all of you well-known people from Northern Ireland just play golf together across the links? <laughs> you, Paddy Kilty. I've played golf with, uh, oh, yeah, all those people. Paddy, Jimmy, Nesbitt. Jimmy. Um, <laughs> I've never played golf with Liam Neeson. Don't think he plays golf. Do you think too Liam doesn't? I don't think he does, and I really don't think he does. Um, I know him a little and I've never um, talked about golf with him, so I don't think he does. I had an experience once with somebody who wanted to, um, like, role-play, uh -huh. like, um, like with relative stuff. No. Yes. No, that's a and hard I couldn't, pass. And I said, I said, um, they no. wanted, they first said, da like, dad, daddy, oh, and, and, and I said... Um, well, that's not so bad. But, um, so I suggested maybe, like, I said, maybe the most I could do is uncle. <laughs> Okay, so that was just a snippet of an episode with actor and podcaster Justin Long. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and I'm telling you, you need to listen to the full episode on my podcast, Dinner's on Me. Over a meal at Pine and Crane in downtown LA, we get into his love story with Kate Bosworth, his career, and so much more. To listen, just search Dinner's on Me wherever you listen to podcasts. So you moved to London uh, age 20 to, uh -huh. to model. How would that happen? Did um, you get spotted by someone? I had a summer. I dropped out of university and I was doing a marketing degree and no interest in any aspect of marketing, anything. I thought, well, fuck this. Like, I'm going to leave. I remember just having this idea that I just wanted to change. Like, I knew I wasn't on the right path. I needed to do something else. And I guess I got... I was doing an interview once and I explained what I got up to that summer. And the interviewer just went, so you're depressed? And I was like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, like, I'd never sort of seen it that way, but I must have been depressed. And I spent this whole summer. I mean, your um, mother died when you were 16, so there yes. was a lot of grief that you may not. Yeah, my mother The Northern Irish way is not necessarily to rent your clothes and wail and. No, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. I, um, I mean, that was obviously life altering, insane, horrendous thing to happen. And then I had four. Uh, my mates killed in a car crash when I was 17. Oh, so I had a very rough couple of years that I guess, oh, Jesus, I'm still dealing with both of those things today, um, every day. But I guess um, they were very sort of acute still then. And I drank a lot of everything, really. But I just had the summer where I'd go out a lot, drink, not really, not really achieve anything. I spent a whole day once de-stringing a tennis racket. And my dad came back from work and said, what have you done today? And I said, and I was actually quite proud of myself. I said, I actually took all the strings on this, this <laughs> racket, dad. And he, I just remember he took me into this room that we don't use very often. And um, Did he give you the chat. talk? Yeah, he just said, he, he, he said I was wasting my life and what was I doing and did I have any goals? And so at that, that point, my whole family started sort of scrabbling around going, how can we help Jamie? Um, which like families do, I guess. And my sister had seen this ad for this thing called Model Behaviour. 
which was like um, like I guess a really early reality TV show where in modelling like who the fuck grows up wanting to be a model like definitely not me <laughs> anyway it was just something to do honestly it was something to do <laughs> got me out of the house I convinced one of my mates to come with me you know he was a pretty handsome dude or whatever so I was like fuck you're coming with me he tried to call it off on the morning he was like no I'm not going I said, please, please go. I'm picking you up. I'm, 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 I'm 10 minutes from your house. I'll pick you up. Come with me. And I convinced him to come. And in a, in a way, I guess it changed my life that day, that morning. Like, if he, had, if I hadn't been able to convince him to go, I wasn't going. And I talk, say that to him, you know, occasionally. I'm like, you know, you really did. Like, if you, if I hadn't still been a able to, Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I hadn't been able to talk you around, you know. I did okay in the show. Didn't really. The whole thing was you then moved to London. You go went to London with it. And I just sort of bullshitted my way into it, like kept calling the agency saying, are you allowed to represent me yet? Like, I, you know, and then luckily they, they just caved in and they did. I think the thing that people don't necessarily realise is that you were actually, obviously male models are generally less uh, less well known than female models. Mm -hmm. It's one of those mm -hmm. weird turnarounds in, the, in yeah. the gender divide. Get paid much less. Um, but you were very successful. You had a Calvin Klein campaign. You were on the side of buses. For seven years, I'd contracted to Calvin Klein in one way or another. Very lucky. Total fluke. Is it what a total fluke? I mean, I, 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 you know, trying to get you to say, no, it's all right, I'm gorgeous. I've, or no, do you just photograph really, no, weirdly no, well? What no, is it? You, you're looking at me in the cold of the day. I'm not a handsome dude. No, I guess the thing is, like, Darling. are there more handsome guys? Fuck, of course there are. Are there guys who are probably better at modelling, whatever the fuck that means? Yes. But I've always felt that I'm quite good with people and I get on well with people and I like I like people. Um, I So I think in the work environments that I've had with those clients, you know, we've done a job and the, the photographs have come out well or whatever. If I've got on well with them, they'll want to work with you again. Thank you so much. Barbara's delicious. Thank you. Describe the transition then from being a model to deciding you went to drama school. I didn't. Did you not? No. Oh, I thought no. you had. I'm delighted I didn't. No. Hang on. I'm, I'm just going to go that, through my notes. <laughs> fire someone for that. So how did, you trans how did you transition? That's news. How did Jamie Donnan transition from being a model to being an actor? I just moved more and talked. <laughs> Do you think that's what it is? You're not the first person to have done that. No. Listen, but I'd acted at school. What parts did you play at school? I, got, I won the drama prize playing Widow Twanky in uh, our, our sort of pantomime Aladdin. You were um, the dame. I was a dame. Uh, we had a cleaning lady at the time uh, called Nelly, who, uh, God rest her soul, died there um, six years ago. And um, Nelly, um, very like hardcore broad Belfast, and um, amazing, amazing woman, kindest, most generous woman. I based my whole widow twanky on her, <laughs> which uh, uh, I don't think I ever told Nelly that that was the case. But yeah, did she it come? Was great. Did she come and see it? No, I don't think she did. It would have been a bit too sort of close, <laughs> the whole thing. But yeah, I, and I guess. So your entire career in film on the international stage, Jamie yeah. Dornan, is based on a drag act. Um, well, I'm it, running it, with it. Certainly, it, so. it certainly gave it certainly gave me a window into what was it you the liked escapism. About it? Well, you could just you're forever trying to tell people that often actors have quite low self-esteem and um, maybe aren't that comfortable in their own skin and that's what they like about doing this for a living. They get to embody someone else in the escapism of it. And I think I adhere to that, you know. I feel, you know, um, that uh, it's times that it's, it's, it's joyous to be able to express something else that's within you that isn't usually sort of 
allowed out. Yeah, I guess that was it. It's kind of. Yeah. What was the first round? I did. Uh, I say I was so lucky again. Luck, fuck. You know, my first ever audition. I'd literally had an agent for forty-eight hours, and my agent was like, "Sophia Coppola is is making Marie Antoinette," and you know, Sophia literally just won the Oscar for um, Lost in Translation. They are meeting guys for this role. He plays her love interest, Count Axel von Fersen. You won't meet with casting director in London. I was like, literally first ever audition. So I went down and read for it with uh, casting director Karen Lindsay Stewart here in, in Soho. Uh, thought it went okay, but I had no idea how to gauge it because I'd, I'd just never done it before. I thought it went okay, but not particularly well. Anyway, next thing, two days later, I was on a train to Paris and to meet Sophia, or to meet a casting director there, read for it again in Paris with a casting director called Antoinette, uh, which I thought was quite uh, fortuitous. And then met Sophia and Ross Katz, the producer that night, in the Ritz, and, uh, you know, had a few cocktails. And Did you go to the Hemingway bar at the back? Yeah, exactly. Oh, we could talk about that in a that minute. It was incredible. <laughs> and that was it. And that, that within 48 hours of my first edition, I, had, I was working with this Oscar-winning uh, director. It was insane. Uh, Tom Hardy did one day on it, shared my trailer. I was like, who the fuck's this guy coming in? wanting a piece of my trailer and turns out it becomes like the biggest movie star in the world you know it was a very a mixed bag it was very fun there was a lot of improv and and I just guess I and, thought and they knew that you had no real experience yeah, on camera I think, they, I think they kind of wanted that I think that was kind of the idea for that part um, and I guess modelling did give you a, it made you comfortable in front of a camera whether it's moving or not you're, you become comfortable with something mm black with a you know a, a lens on it right there that was my first job and I thought fuck it's all gonna be like this you just you work with Oscar winning and was it and blah, blah. no <laughs> barely worked for 10 years after well, hang on I think the main event is about to walk into the oh, room I'm very excited there yeah, are men yeah, with we'll plates there is men with steak mm. and lamb chops thank you very much oh wow Jesus oh, look at that that's my sirloin oh that's my lamb chop uninvited onto the plate but we'll work I love it, it. Are you getting fed down there? Too? Uh, yeah, so the production yeah. team, oh. Darby and John, are receiving... Uh, You've got the quietest food types possible. <laughs> Potato makes no sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you ever seen one of these before, Jamie? Uh, it's a green salad. <laughs> I do like a green salad. It needs to be, like, drowning in, you know, dressing, but I do like it. Things are piling up. There's here. suddenly a lot of people in this room. There's a lot of people in this room. Well, it's, it's a serious great. business, and we, yeah, we take well, it seriously. Thank you. What was the point in the menu? Uh, <laughs> this is great. Thank you. Can I have a chip? Have, have many a chip? I'm going to chip, dip my chip into the, the mash. Is that allowed? You can do what the hell you like. You're chipping. <laughs> Vladimir, I think we're fine. Please enjoy. Thank, thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. How's yours over there? Absolutely delicious, Jay. Absolutely yeah. Do you look back on that period with a kind of bafflement? Because you you strike me now as a but, a very controlled, mm -hmm. very organised man. But don't we all look back on different decades in our life and, of bafflement and like your twenties? Like I mean, it wasn't that long. My thirty six, but like in my twenties, what what did I get up to? You know, now that I've got three kids, like you know, everything has changed from when I turned thirty. Uh, you know. I met my wife at 27, we got married at 30, and had our first kid at 31. And at that exact same point, my career took off. That's when the fall happened? That's when the fall happened. Describe for someone who hasn't seen it, what was your oh, part? God. I play a bereavement counsellor. We can see from the surface, you know, a, a, a good at his job, family man, got two young kids. But um, he's also um, sort of hunting down and 
murdering, you know, innocent brunette women, professional women. It was a part that I'd never been considered for anything like that in my life. I'd never done a job for the BBC before, um, even a small part, let alone a lead in something that was so sort of ambitious and sort of um, highbrow and, and um, yeah, I, mean, I can't say it any other way. It literally changed my life, you know, suddenly I was uh, in the same, and not only that, just to be cast in that, uh, but it was a massive success, and it was BBC Two's biggest drama for a decade, and we got critically incredible acclaim. I, everyone got, I got nominated for Bath. All this stuff happens, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ! And then on set, it's fucking, it's a laugh, you know. As much as dark as the material is, I'm getting to work. I'd always wanted, I hadn't done it yet, to work at home, and also I'd wanted to do a job at home that wasn't directly uh, involving the troubles, which was hard to come by. And now at home. The industry's huge. Game of Thrones has changed. The fall a little bit too, but Game of Thrones has changed everything. Get these amazing crew who are used to working. In the 90s, they were working on yogurt commercials, and now they're working on the biggest show on the fucking planet. It's I incredible. Have, I have to do a quick segue here. Mm -hmm. Is it true you went to the Game of Thrones rap party <laughs> never having seen an episode? <laughs> yeah, that is true. What I loved about that is, is I'm not on any social media, so I don't hear this, but I got sent some stuff about people thinking I must be in the final series because I was at the rap party. So you, you hadn't seen any of Game of Thrones. No. And th which series were they having the rap party from? This was a, the rap party. This was Game of Thrones never oh. exist again. Yeah, time, the final rap party. How did the invitation come your way? Every single member crew in the fall works on Game of Thrones. Simple they, they always try to do it. They're not shooting when we did three years of the fall that they weren't shooting at the same time. Every single fucking person in the fall is wearing Game of Thrones jacket. I feel like I'm in Game of Thrones because I'm surrounded by their attire all the time, their fleeces and their hoodies and all the stuff that the crew wear. Also, uh, Dermy, who's a very dear friend of mine, who's also my driver for all of the fall and any time I work at home, he drives like Peter Dinklage when they do the uh, Game of Thrones and, and you know Kit Harrington sometimes, whatever. He's been on it from the start. So I'm around these people who are just massive part of the Game of Thrones family all the time. I also met Dan and Dave who created the show way back when before the show started to see well, if, if I should be in it. in it. I had this great meeting, didn't read or anything, but chatted for, you know, an hour with them. Got on really well with them and then sort of didn't really get any feedback and then seeked feedback. And they said, no, they really liked you. They thought you were a bit too young for the old parts and a bit too old for the young parts. I was like, oh, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. And there was no scripts or anothing at this stage. And then the show came out and it's a load of guys just look exactly like me. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So are you, are, you, are you admitting at this point a slight resentfulness that given no, every no. single British actor I've ever heard of was in? No, I mean, it is, it is insane. They just didn't like me, obviously. But then yeah. I met them again a few years later and then... I then bumped into them a couple of times when I was flying back and forth and on airplanes, whatever. And why I ended up at the rap party was I was filming there that summer and the Game of Thrones rap party was in the centre of Belfast and every single person I was filming with was going, was going, was going. So a few different people said, do you want to come? And and everyone's going, oh, you won't be able to get a ticket, you won't be able to get a ticket. And I was like, oh, fuck, well, listen, I'm too embarrassed to go. But if you're ever going to sneak in the rap party, it's a Game of Thrones rap party. How many people were there? Two and a half thousand, I think. <laughs> No joke. Like Where did they hold it in Central Belfast? At the Odyssey, which is our big, big concert hall. Like, right. Uh, no, it's at the waterfront, at the waterfront, yeah, which yeah. is a big concert hall in, in Central Belfast. And then on the day of the actual thing, I was with Dermy, my dri driver there, and my mate, and uh, we were at his, like, you know, um, office or whatever in the Game of Thrones lot. 
Dan, who's one of the creators of Game of Thrones, drove by in his car, stopped and went, hey, Jamie, are you coming tonight? And I said, oh, listen, I have to go now. So that was it. End up going. And yeah, there's fucking like paparazzi there and everything. And then suddenly there's all this stuff that I was in Game of Thrones. But listen, I would love to have done Game of Thrones had <laughs> they wanted me. Out to lunch, listeners, I've got some news. We've partnered up with Beer52 to give you a free case of craft beers. Just go to beer52.com forward slash lunch to claim your free case. It's the perfect chance to get some extra special beers in. Beer52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. They search out exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest brewers and bring them back for you. And Club Beer52 has broken new ground this month with a box of the UK's first beers from America's hottest up-and-coming beer state, Maine, which is home to more than 120 breweries and produces hundreds of beers. And Beer52 is delighted to have some of them to introduce to you. You can discover Geary's classic British-styled ales or the rich afterglow from Foundation Brewing Company. There's something for everyone. Like darker beers, get yourself the mixed case. Like lighter beers, get the light case. It's very easy. Try your first case for free. Just pay £5.95 postage. That's eight incredible craft beers, ferment, magazine and a snack delivered with next day's shipping. It's a no-brainer. Past themes have included California, Norway, Belgium and Amsterdam. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel any time. Just visit www beer52.com forward slash lunch and claim your free case today. That's www.beer52.com forward slash lunch. Uh, Beer 52, it's your weekend sorted in a box. Discuss the fall. There's mm-hmm. one other role, well, there's two other roles I want to talk about and you know which one's coming. Mm-hmm. And you've been very clear when talking about Fifty Shades of Grey mm-hmm. that it was, you know, it was what it was. Yeah. Um, a great role. When that one came to you, mm-hmm. did you hesitate? Yeah. How long for? It's very odd, Jay, to be honest, because you are presented with this incredible opportunity that was, is going to, you know, have a big impact on your life and change many things. To be honest, mostly, you know, financially, but again, you know, a career opens so many doors and blah, 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 but you sort of know that it's going to get panned. Very strange thing. You're trying to do the best you can and make the make the best of it. But we knew that because the books were sort of a, a adored by many, um, bought by many, but panned by many, probably going to be the same thing for the movies. You know what I mean? It's it's not like suddenly everyone's going. Everyone who thought the book was badly written is going to go. Oh, but the film is mm-hmm. a masterpiece. That was never going to happen. You know, I, they're a great joy to be a, a, a part of. You know, and um, crazy kind of journey to go on. But also, above everything else, they are just a job, and it's just a film set, and it's just, it's no different than any other film set. You're just simulating more sex than you are in other <laughs> films, but you're still just going to work in the morning and having like a family environment like you do in any, any other film set, you know. With Dakota, mm-hmm. had you worked with her before? No, never met her before, no, no. Um, no, it was one of she was already cast before me. Then they cast someone else who was meant to do my part as well. Do we know what the, the name of that other person was? Yeah, Charlie Hunnam. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then for various reasons that didn't happen and then suddenly it sort of opened again. I had been in the fold before that as well, 
you know, sure. didn't come from nowhere. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons they know. cast you, sure. Yeah. But just to return to a subject which is r relevant to the enormous plate of beef and potatoes you have in front of you, yes. uh, one slight difference in this role is it did require you to take your clothes off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That requires body confidence. Um, mm. Or not. Or was that something that's just apart from you? That, that one you actually sighed and looked at the table slightly in distress. It does it again. I mean, uh, <laughs> I hate talking about this shit. Well, I guess that the, the first movie, because of the situation of the casting, um, I only found out I was doing the job five weeks before principal photography started. Did you hit the gym big time? I tried to, mate, but my fucking hell. My wife was 36 weeks pregnant and uh, we had to find a way of getting to Vancouver um, before having the baby and then get our heads around having a Canadian baby and everything. And we're so far down the line of how we were having our baby here. Maybe that so was I was helpful. also trying to go to the gym as well, but I, to be honest, in the first film, because he's like, the character's like obsessed about keeping shape and fitness, probably. I probably, I definitely wasn't in good enough shape for the first one compared to what I was for the other two and what I probably you know should have been. Is it true you that you had to watch it with a with a guard so that you didn't pirate your own yes, work? Yes, yeah. As if I'm going to eat exactly, yeah. With uh, all the Fifty Shades films, I had to sit in like a sort of screening room at Universal Pictures in London. Now, um, I know you're eating. Guy. We're both eating. But mm -hmm. the, this story comes from an interview you gave to Elle. L. Yeah, great. Well, it's on L. Um, it's the modesty pouch story. Isn't that fucking disgusting? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> can I just explain a modesty pouch? What that is for people? I, who think, don't, I think you should. It's 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 a little sack that you put all your bits in. That's sort of flesh coloured, so that did the camera happen to go near there, it would it would just you'd be led to believe that it's a continuation of flesh, or that you just don't have a penis. Um, you just don't have a penis. You just don't have one, which is very strange when you're simulating sex. Kevin, who's the name of, of, of my dresser, the guy who sort of helps you, you know, make sure everything's laid out and get in the costumer on the first Fifty Shades, swore to me that it was hadn't been used, but I just wasn't buying it. It looked a bit frayed around the edges. It literally said inmate number three on it. I was just like, my mind was just thinking, imagine the... You know the the, the 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 stuff that's been inside. <laughs> that yeah, you like to think they're fresh out of the packet <laughs> when you're when you're putting your bits in there. Well, is it not unreasonable to point <coughs> out that Excuse the Fifty Shades of Grey films they weren't cheap? Mm. I mean, these are quite big budget movies. Yes, I know. Could they not have stretched to your own modesty pouch? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, yes, but they must have spent the money elsewhere. <laughs> Craft, craft service. Um, so when it came to playing a uh, very wealthy uh, S and M, mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> where did no. you go looking? Where did you go looking well, to play Christian Grey? Not as luckily, I had the books with that, you know, um, which were big help. And um, I don't think I'll ever play a character who's less like me <laughs> in his. Uh, no, actually, forgive me, but. I, I would hope that the character you played in The Fall is rather less like you. I'm going to disagree. Oh, really? <laughs> At least you have the same accent. <laughs> um, well, so what, up to the sociopathic yeah, uh, murder he was a, spree? He was, it, a, he was a father. And um, with every character you play, you do try to find relatable traits. 
and things that are sure. close to you to make your job a bit easier and to to feel like he's closer to you, you know. Um, and um, so, yeah, listen, of course I find that with Christian Grey as well, but, like, he's just, I don't know, the sort of materialistic aspect. I don't know. There's lots of things I just find kind of gross about him, to be honest. <laughs> Um, the last time when we went out for dinner on a, on a restaurant mm-hmm. review, uh, we had a particular moment when you were saying, oh, I'm about to appear in two films playing journalist types. <laughs> yes. And one of them was My Private War, mm-hmm. the story of Marie Colvin, foreign correspondent for the Sunday Sometimes, Times, yeah. who, 25 years, yeah. who died in uh, Syria. Yeah. I got the impression from everything I've read that you actually found that possibly one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. I did. I really did. Jay, I, I, I struggled with it. It was very emotionally wrought by the end of it. We all were. It was just very um, cathartic, basically. You know, it was. Um, I, I, we were using real refugees from any of the places that we were depicting. We were using real displaced people. and We had uh, um, guys who were actually in homes when Marie died in 2012 who were, um, you know, there under attack by their own government and first-hand witness to the brutality that took place and is still fucking taking place in Syria. And we'd have these guys who, you know, were playing FSA officers with us who were with us the whole time. And some days they were just like something, they'd see something maybe weren't quite prepared sometimes for the... Um, reality of, of what a film set can can be and the sort of authenticity of, of what we're we're trying to achieve and they would just break down. And they found start, it too traumatic yeah, to... just start crying. We dealt with people crying, like extras crying and people who were sort of featured extras crying every day. There were just people crying, just was all just too much for them. And, and you wear that, you know, that just seeps into Ros, Rosamund Pike who plays Marie Colvin and I, who's astonishing in the film. Rightly so, got nominated for Golden Globe and whatever. And yeah, I mean, by the end, we shot it all in Jordan. And by the end, I, mean, I was literally calling my wife every night in tears. I was like, I can't, this is like... How long a shoot was it? Not that long. I mean, we did, we did five weeks in Jordan. And then there was three or four weeks in London, but I didn't have a lot of London stuff. But the five weeks in Jordan, that's quite a long time it's to long be time. under stress and not that far away from where the actual Dude, thing you happened. You see Syria very easily. I mean, it's right, I, it blows, when you look at a map, it blows your mind that Jordan's a peaceful place. I know. blows your mind how, where it's situated. There's debris, I have to say. There's, there's that was debris. a serious amount of meat. But I have to place. say, there was a serious amount of meat, but there's, yeah, that was lovely, thank you. I don't want to say this while you're in the room. But there was, there was, well, there was stuff on the plate that I... Do you not hold it? Didn't ask for. That what, was, oh, um, were you saying like the carrots and the peas? Yeah, carrots and peas, which, like I, the sort, actually, which I sort of didn't want. You didn't want the vegetables? Because I, I ordered my broccoli as my vegetable, you see. Oh, I see. That was going to satisfy my veg uh, intake for the day. You can take the boy... <laughs> Out of Northern Ireland, <laughs> but you cannot. Uh, now we've got yeah. the dessert menu. Yes, have a look. We could both have creme brulee. It's a sticky toffee pudding that will come with vanilla. Ice cream. Oh, they're done. Then. I'll have sticky toffee pudding, please, mm-hmm. with some vanilla. Ice cream. And I'll have the uh, creme brulee. Actually, we we do we do share an interest in a restaurant, as in one that we like. Yes, from Hollywood, yes. which is Noble. Noble. You've been there a few I, times. I've been there many times. There's a guy called Saul who's the front of house there. And Saul used to be uh, front of the house at Dean's at Queen's, right? Dean's being one of the great restaurants of, yes. of Belfast. One of the, yeah, Michael Dean, who sort of ha- for a long time has had the monopoly in, 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 in Northern Ireland and, uh, and was, is a great chef. Um, 
and I once went. Uh, it's my third name job in 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 one so sitting. I'm enjoying them. I went with Rory McIlroy. Even if you don't know about golf, everyone knows who Rory McIlroy is. Have you, Paddy Kilty, James Nesbitt, <laughs> and Rory McIlroy all played no, golf no, together? No, 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 we haven't. No, we haven't. That's the dream, yeah. the dream team. Yeah. Um, no, but Rory is from Hollywood as well, yeah. and like he's the one who's on the sign when you come into Hollywood, going in, you know, home of you know, no mention of me, definitely, and rightly so. And, and Rory and I went for dinner at Dainty Queens one night, and got very, very stuck into the Malbec, so much so that we we're absolutely wrecked. And Rory had driven his car and sort of thinking, oh, I'll deal with that later, and obviously we couldn't couldn't drive home so my last memory of the night was um, being driven home in Rory's fucking Range Rover um, by Saul who's front of house like he, we were so hammered that he'd like front of house drove <laughs> you yeah, both he drove home. us home in Rory's car and then dropped me off I was staying in the mate's house and then drove Rory home and then I guess got a taxi back <laughs> but Saul then opened Noble and it's been a roaring success and the food's unbelievable oh lovely thank you you know how they gave you some vegetables you didn't order oh, look what's about to well, happen just to complement the, the <laughs> of course, of course, of course. that's all it is butter with a nice little tokai thank you a nice so dessert rosé to- no tokai it's uh, Hungarian botrytis Jesus dessert wine yeah, Jesus has nothing to do you with it. You said over three words I've never heard there before in my life. It's quite exciting. All right, and we have uh, Sotern. <laughs> and I've got the Sotern. Okay. So yours is, yeah, it's, it's a Hungarian, Toka is a Hungarian noble rot. Is this rot that yes. you get on the grapes, which is actually quite prized. It's called botrytis. Right. Because it ups the sugar levels. And oh, okay. it'll be like, it's Christmas in a glass, basically. Wow. Yeah. It smells divine. Love it. When you leave here, you're mm-hmm. going back to Gloucestershire today? Yeah, I will, yeah. yeah. Back to the kids? Back to the kids, yeah. It clearly and is. And the dog. And the dog. How yeah. many dogs have you got? Just, Just one. What Leonard. is it? Leonard, a black lab. Right. It's, it's actually, isn't it, it's the law, isn't it, in the Cotswolds to have one of those? <laughs> An <lot>. Arga, a <laughs> Labrador. <laughs> What's your car? Oh, I don't. It's a Range Rover, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. Yeah, it's yeah. a Range Rover. <laughs> You've got a Labrador... An Arga and a Range Rover. Listen, that's the uh, you know, <laughs> that's where we live. That's the vibes. I'm just sticking to the vibes. Is there a council tax supplement you have to pay <laughs> so you can have all of those things for living near Stroud? Isn't it disgusting where you realise that that's just what you've become when you've fallen into every sort of cliched pothole? Well, Jamie Dornan, thank you for coming up to town from your young family. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me take you out to lunch. Mm, thank you for lunch. It was delicious. Well, that was brilliant stuff. And if you like that, uh, do find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to rate and review. Uh, as a critic, I love being reviewed. Uh, and do subscribe, and that way you will never miss another episode. Out to Lunch was a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. It was brought to you by these lovely people, Josh Gibbs, Hester Kant, Selena Ream, Robert Abel, Darby Doris, and Steve Ackerman. Next time, Jason Isaacs. Well, that's very easy on. to snog, Daniel Craig, I have to say. Is he? Yeah. If ever the occasion should come my way. <laughs>